up, guys? My name is Justin. What's up, guys? This is Zach. You are listening to The Other Film Guys as we embark on yet another series, one that I am actually pretty excited about. I don't know about you, Zach. I am, too. No, I really am. And um, it's a it's a filmmaker series, um, but it's not like a PTA one where we go throughout a vast filmography. Um because the but we're going through series, most of this person's filmography, though. Yes. The one that we are starting is over the Scottish director, Lynn Ramsey, who directed Ratcatcher, the movie that we're talking about today, as well as three other movies. But we're only going to be talking about two of the other ones. And I, I need to get with you and figure out which exactly of the of the other three that we're going to choose from. But um but yeah, no, I feel like it's we're we're kind of late on. I feel like this is our first female uh, driven series, first yes. female director series. I think anyway. this is even the first film that we've covered that's been directed by a female, if I'm not mistaken. Yikes. Which is a it's it's an it's an embarrassment, to be honest. Yeah. Low key, though. It's 2020, um, man. We're what? This is what? Episode 40? 40. Episode 40. We have 40 episodes in, and this is the first one that we've done. Yeah. By, directed by a woman. Um, But we're planning on making changes to that. We have a lot of dedicated series that we're going to be doing to women over the next year or so. Um, we're, so we're really excited for those. We've been talking about those off camera, getting those planned, and hopefully going to get some good guests next year for the show as this year starts to end. And the shit show that is 2021 will show its face. And then hopefully you you would think that because I know when we first started the podcast, we had the idea of going to film festivals and yeah. being around filmmakers and stuff. You would hope that hopefully by the second half of the next year that maybe those start to become a thing again. And then we can I start sure to get so. actual filmmakers on on the on the show with us. I sure hope so, because that was like you said, that, that was our plan from the beginning to sort of like bring outreach to other filmmakers that might not have um, any sort of outreach. But uh, yeah. Um, so anyways, like we did mention sort of offhandedly, the movie that we are talking about this week is Ratcatcher. 1998 film, correct? 99. 99. That was yes. Um, one of the great years of film. Um, yeah, and I think this is a pretty awesome movie. Well, I don't I know if it was awesome good. is the right word to use for it, but it's, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say awesome. I think I'm in for a good time when I'm watching this. Yeah, and no, the this movie was does. A, it's it's kind of confusing. A tad. Um, let me go ahead and read off the summary from Letterboxd because I think it's actually a pretty good one. Okay. All right. So James Gillespie Gillespie. I don't know. Gillespie is 12 years old. The world he knew is changing. Haunted by a secret, he has become a stranger in his own family. He is drawn to the canal where he creates a world of his own. He finds an awkward tenderness with Margaret Ann, a vulnerable 14-year-old expressing a need for love in all the wrong ways, and befriends Kenny, who possesses an unusual innocence in spite of the harsh surroundings. Indubitably. This is, I must say first scottish film i think we've talked about yeah it's got to be the there aren't many scottish films that i know of (laughs) and boy them accents they were they were hidden i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, let me just say we uh, we had a little little viewing party when we watched this movie last night. We did. Um, that was pretty fun. It was the closest experience I'd gotten to being in a movie theater, and and I'm glad like you and Scarlett vibe with our our running commentary of the movie. That's like <laughs> yeah. usually how Azul and I be watching movies. Like we can't help but just like point shit out and just be I, laughing. Like I know that some people hate it and can't stand when people talk during movies, but. For me, that's one of the best ways to experience watching a movie with other people, like being able to talk through it. Um, Because if the entire time, if you're just like wanting to say something about what just happened and you say it and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, shut the fuck up, you know, (laughs) shut your mouth. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. In a theater, 100 percent. In a theater, yes. I don't shut the hell up. I don't don't give commentary during an exhibition Yes, there you go. <laughs> yes, the holy, the holy ceremony. Yeah. But in a house setting, I feel like it was it, it was pretty fun. Good opportunity yeah. to get some some laughs in. And this movie can be kind of dark, but it also it's very dark. It, it had some of its lighthearted moments. Sometimes it could be pretty funny. Would yeah. you say? I would say so. Um so I guess before we go any further, as this is our most inaccessible movie that we've talked about yet on the show. Like it is literally only available in DVD format through the Criterion collection, Um, which unfortunately the sale is over. But I posted so much about it on my personal account and on the other film guys account that. I mean, it's your fault if you didn't take take care of it. Um, You had your chances. (laughs) But honestly, this is a pretty good buy if you're going for the Criterion channel, even though it doesn't fit in with the Blu-rays that most of the movies are now. um, It's a good addition to any sort of collection i'm glad that i bought it yeah most definitely most definitely that the first time that you had opened it it was yes watched it together yeah i needed to wait for the experience i mean i unwrapped it obviously but okay yeah no it was definitely it was definitely uh it was definitely interesting i really one of the biggest things that i remember is just all the all the trash that was throughout the movie the movie set in i believe the early or mid 70s and yeah. the country of scotland uh, yes yes i didn't want to fuck that up the country of scotland i believe yeah. was going through a trash strike i don't know if the whole country was because scotland is pretty big but for sure the city or area of glasgow was glasgow. going through a through a uh, trash strike um and you see that through the entire movie like they're basically using trash as furniture all the people's houses are filled with trash yeah, yeah, no, they're literally the saying one man's trash is another man's treasure or furniture, however you would like <laughs> to put it, is like super accurate in this movie because yeah. like you cannot walk around the housing that's in that movie without literally stepping on some form of trash. Like there are yeah. like trash bags everywhere and it leads to a big, a big rat population in in that area as well. So that's kind of why rats are as relevant as they are in the movie. Rats are very present in this film. Yes, for sure. And they're just the whole place is just kind of like just squalor. You know, it's not exactly the most ideal living conditions, I would say. No, definitely not. I believe the movie more or less is about children anyway, maintaining their innocence, even through horrible circumstances like that. Like that, and it's a, it's about that. It's also about like getting through just also just 
terrible living situations. Not not even just with the trash strike, but like with your families. Yeah, for sure. And I get the sense that this is a part of Scotland, or at least in this time frame anyway, that is kind of more or less overlooked. Uh, and it seems like there's not really a whole lot for these these children, for people in general. There's not a whole lot for them to do. No. Um, really, they all a lot of them hang out by this canal that was mentioned in in the bio. Uh, it just happens to be what's the main kid's name? James. James. Yeah, it just happens to be James's spot where he kind of kind of thrives. But a lot happens around this this creek, this canal. It does. Um, even our our main character, James, he uh, kind of sets off his own chain of events whenever he he doesn't directly. Spoiler alert. Yes, we are going to talk about the actual movie now. So if you do want to watch it. Go over to Criterion, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, whatever. Order it. Wait the wait for those shipping. Then come back. Yes, because I, I I had no idea that this was gonna happen, so I was like, whoa. Um, or I'm but, sure uh, there's no other illegal ways to obtain a copy of this film. None that I would ever not. advise. Of course not. No, we are narcs on this show. Just kidding. Fuck twelve. But anyways, the our main character, James, he kind of sets off his own chain of events whenever he's playing with. I can't remember the other kid's name, but let he's me, playing let with me some other just kid. real quick. I want to say I want to say his name is Ryan or something. Um, but while Zach is looking, uh, he is playing with this uh, this other kid by the creek and it's just them two. And like he James accidentally I don't want to say he directly killed this kid but he definitely could have saved him yeah uh, <laughs> his, so his name was Ryan Quinn Ryan Quinn there you but go. honestly okay so the kid didn't deserve it but his mom okay so we'll talk about this because it was fucked up this is like the first scene okay in the movie. yeah this whole thing could have been avoided to be quite this, honest yes, with you. the whole thing this is the first scene of the movie this guy's, this kid's mom, Ryan Quinn, him and his mom are like getting ready to go meet his dad who's like in prison or something. And he's like, I don't want to go. I want to go play with my friend James. And so she's like, no, we're going to go. And then he just turns around, runs away. She looks back. She's like, shrugs that boy <laughs> and just goes fucking shopping <laughs> she doesn't even like try to pursue him she's just like god damn it and just keeps on going and goes shopping for shoes for the kid i guess but yeah yeah they were for him and so then the kid goes to the canal with james they're like holding each other down in the water and then <laughs> i just james gets fed up with it and so he just holds him down is that what happened? No, no, I he doesn't hold him down. I thought he was going to hold him down. He just pushes him into the water, but I think the kid can't swim or something. Yeah. And so he just fucking drowns. The water did not seem that deep now that I'm thinking about it, but nonetheless, our boy Ryan did drown to his death. And yeah. James definitely, like you said, James didn't hold this dude down, but he definitely, and he just kind of like ran off while this kid is like fighting for his life in the water and he did not go back and try to save him. So that's thinking why I say that like nobody would ever even knew or no thinking that nobody ever would find out that he was there. Right. Yeah. 
And I mean, like I said, he didn't directly kill him, but dude definitely could, uh, you know, feel like he could have done something. Yeah. And that that secret that he carries with him kind of also adds an extra layer to the movie because like he's all hanging out with his mom is all hanging out with the with Ryan's mom and she's all grieving and she's like, oh, come here, give me a hug whenever and whenever it's like, damn do totally just killed your son and you don't even know it and then and what does she do she gives him the shoes yeah. that she bought for her dead son the yes. day that he died yeah yikes big yikes so the movie's pretty fucking heavy in that way like it's not really a i mean we'll we'll see um i didn't mean to interrupt you there but we'll see throughout lynn ramsey's filmography that she gets into some dark places in her movies what? What's um? I know the most recent film of hers is "You Were Never Really There." Yeah. Right here. Um, and then we need to talk before? about Kevin. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I was gonna I guess, say. I guess I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Those are the two movies that we're gonna be covering through the rest of the series. Because, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out what her films are. So. Yeah, the other one is Morvern Callar or something like Morvern Collar or something like that. Never even heard of it. It was less popular and made less money than this one. Not that this one was like a a bank buster or anything, but. Yeah, but it is. I've actually heard of Ratcatcher before. Right. What's it called? I was going to say, it seems like most of her most of her movies deal with children in some way. I don't know about the the one we were just talking about right now, but um, the other two anyway deal with children and more or less deals with like not only how innocent they are and can be, but also like how like they can also be capable of some pretty fucked up shit. Pretty fucked up shit. But what can we say? Boys will be boys. That was the running theme the whole night when we were watching that movie, man. (laughs) Because the thing that I, that I also, uh, that also stuck out to me was the movie was of course about poverty. Like we've said in so many different terms, but it was also, what I also found interesting was carrying on with the boys will be boys theme. I like how it kind of took on the aspect of like poverty. I don't want to say poverty breeds crime, but there are more opportunities for crime. In, yeah, in no, situations definitely. Of poverty. And I think of that gang of boys that we see throughout most of the movie, how they literally have like nothing else to do, but to just be bastards. Like yeah. that's, that's the, that's the feeling that I got. Like they literally have nothing else to do, but to just kind of be assholes to people. Yep. And they spend most of their time taking this advantage must be like, of the This girl. must be like in the summer or something because like they don't ever go to school. That's right. Yeah. they Unless school is inaccessible to them. Um, Maybe. Which the film doesn't really investigate. But yeah. No, these I think kids, it must just be summer. These kids and these group of boys like they're literally just like walking around just just being doing hood rat shit. And, yeah. And they going try to. In molesting 14 year old girls and quite literally another really dark aspect of the movie doing animal cruelty you know just the usual tuesday night activities it gave me such anxiety seeing all the animals in this movie like yeah i don't know animals in movies in general i'm like bro if anything happens to that animal i am rioting and there were like several rats that were in this movie uh kenny even gets a rat and I think snowball. there's another snowball. I feel like no, there's... that was a, that was his mouse. But they remember. do beat some rats. They do beat some rats. Yes, even um, 
even James, whenever I think it's like shortly after uh, he gets in a in a, a squabble with his his pa, his da, after his da says, if we don't get that new house, it's your fault. And yeah. that boy gets mad as fuck and starts beating up on some trash and some rats. And I'm trying to remember if there was another animal. There was, was a cat at one point, but the cat, I don't think ever got hurt. Yeah. These rats were really getting, these rats were really going through it. And like I said, there's a big rat presence because of all the trash that's around. Yeah. So I do want to say, I, I really, I really liked the sequence. There are two sequences that I really liked in the movie. I really liked the, the image where, where James is running through this the wheat field. field. Yeah. Yeah. That, that whole scene was just super gorgeous, man. Like the way it was lit and the music as well that went with it. Yeah, and just watching the kid really jump around and just just be a kid. It seemed like that that's something that he didn't really he doesn't really have many opportunities to do is to just that's, be a kid. Yeah, I mean, that's like sort of like his just dream about the whole thing is he wants to be in a place where he has freedom, where he has hope, where he's yeah. not in these garbage stricken lands. And, that's the um, biggest thing I took from it was like how hopeful it looked. And it's like completely different from the place he's living in. Yeah. Um, and we'll like we see at the end of the movie kind of what that did um, and what his situation sort of did. I, I have I feel like there might be a differing opinion to the ending of the film, which we talked about a little bit last night when we watched it. Um, so at the end of the movie, I guess this is another spoiler, but we already did spoilers, so. Yeah. You've watched it by now. At least you should have. At the end of the movie, James plunges himself into the canal, into very seemingly deep waters, and then it immediately cuts to the house that he's sort of just been going back to. Like, he basically runs away to this house and then just adventures, and that's when he goes to the wheat field. And after he plunges himself into the water, we go back to that field and we see him and his family all very happy moving into this nice house that he seemingly adores and like dreams of living in. And so I th- I think personally that when he plunged into the water, he he died. I think so and, too. And that was just sort of like his hope for or his lost hope for his future. I agree. I, I feel like what Lynn Ramsey, what Lynn Ramsey, Lynn Ramsey is saying is really like a big, big commentary on. I know I've already said it, and I don't want to make it sound like it's this really like big insightful claim, but the whole movie just more or less feels about poverty, yeah. and from a ch- a child's perspective, and how really like living in that situation really deprives someone of their their hope and what a future looks like. Because I mean. When you're literally surrounded by trash all day. And that also says something, too, about what how the outside world might see you, how your government might see you, because whenever the government eventually does come by to pick up the trash, but they don't even hire the trash workers back. They just send the military. Yeah. And that's what whenever they do show up, these people are like mad at them. They're like, oh, now you come in like now. we Now we matter to you. And it's like. That that says that right there, just the fact that these people are living like that, for me anyway, that just that just says what that government's how they saw them. Like they were okay yeah. with having them in the trash. And honestly, I don't know what made them finally go and uh, and uh, pick up the trash. But for me, 
I feel like the biggest reason would just be because maybe it, it just started to smell like really bad or it started to just become a black eye in appearance in appearances. I mean, but, imagine you're driving through Scotland and like it's like all this nice countryside. Then you get to Glasgow, which is like a very big area in Scotland. And you see just all this trash built up. Your image of Scotland is not going to be very good. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like whatever did make them finally pick up the trash, I I, I don't want to say it was because they all of a sudden were like, oh, these people, we have to go help them. Like, if that was their approach, then they would have done that a long time ago. There's no yeah. reason those people should have lived like that. So I really, I, what Lynn Ramsey is saying in this movie, I really, I mean, I really fuck with. There's poverty everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like it's a, like, universal movie in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. this could be anywhere, not just Scotland. It could be anywhere. It could be in parts of Texas where we live. I mean, you know what I it mean? is in parts of Texas, you know, it is. Yeah, there is quite literally poverty everywhere all over the world. There's not living amongst their trash. Yeah. Um, I did like the cinematography in this, even though I think it was just a factor of the DVD quality being so limited. Um. I would love to see Criterion do a remaster and release this on Blu-ray. Um, or just release it in general. <laughs> I feel like it looked really nice, though. Like, I feel like it did DVD... look nice. That's like, I really liked it. But there, I'm like a big sort of quality snob. Like, if anybody else is, there's just a lot of compression that is very familiar to DVD formats, um, which is usually done pretty intentionally. Um, and so it was... It's not horrible, but it is a little bit distracting at times where like just the shadows are over people's face just looks like a mid 2000s video game. <laughs> That's strangely accurate. I really liked it, though. I, I, I yeah. liked the graininess of it, and I feel like that just kind of added to the overall ambience of the yeah. movie. If you I will. really I liked the soundtrack. Um, there were there were a few quite a few recognizable songs, actually, and it was sort of impressive i couldn't find any numbers on the bot on the um, budget of this movie but it did make eight hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars in the box office um which, which I sounds like a lot i can't tell how impressive that is because i just like i said i have no reference for uh the budget for the film but for an indie movie in the 90s doesn't seem terrible for sure no i mean almost a million dollars I'm going to say that the movie was made for less than that. I think that was something you said last oh, night. I actually just found numbers on IMDb. Budget was, uh, looks like to be $30,000. Which sounds about right. Um, it seems like they were super resourceful with with all the props and everything that was in the movie. So, no, yeah, that definitely sounds about right. Um and a million dollars is a lot anyway for, yeah. I feel like, for any movie. If you make a million dollars, I if I make a million dollars for any movie that I make, I feel like I hit a jackpot, to be honest. Yeah. Um, There is also, I, I can't tell if I loved it or if it was just so absurd, but there's a sequence in the film where, so this is after they send Kenny's mouse Snowball up in a <laughs> balloon. Yeah. They tell Kenny that his mouse can fly and Kenny's like, oh, he can go to the moon then and like just fucking with him. And then he goes into his goes into his uh, his family's flat 
And then he looks out the window. He's like, guys, look, Kenny's going to fly. And I thought he was just going to like throw him out the window. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. But no, he comes out and he's tied to a fucking red balloon. <laughs> Bruh. This kid's happy birthday balloon because it was his birthday and sends him to the moon. And then we get this like animate, like sort of like animated sequence of a rat colony on the moon. Yeah. 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 I wonder how they shot that sequence, especially how they did the rat flying through space and you can see the earth in yeah. the background. Um, It's very interesting. I, I like it. But um, that was one of the more lighthearted moments for me anyway. Yeah. In the movie. And I found I found it to be kind of funny. So Not the soundtrack, lie. like I was talking about, has Lollipop by the Cordettes. Uh, Come on, everybody by Eddie Cochran. What's new? Pussycat by Tom Jones. Mm. something stupid by frank and nancy sinatra and um those are the ones that i remember anyways but pretty big songs for a movie with a thirty thousand dollar budget i was gonna say i feel like nowadays if you want to get a popular song you're gonna spend that thirty thousand dollars just for that one song yeah so that's pretty that's pretty cool that's pretty interesting but the rat going through going up to the moon, I feel like was one of the more lighthearted moments in the movie. And I know you said that you don't know if you love it or not. I've personally I I I love that. I thought it was really cool, especially yeah. the way it was done. You have to think, too, the I whole just, thing is pretty much. It's got to mean something. And I just I'm just wondering if that's just what's going on in Kenny's mind with it. Well, that's the way I'm looking at it, because the whole movie is shot from a child's perspective. Yeah. So, you know, you got to figure Kenny believes that, well, if my dude can go to the to the moon surely there have been other rats that have gone to the moon before maybe he'll maybe he'll find himself a little little rat family little rat yeah. colony and even that might even be saying something about the family situation for all these kids cuz from what i from what i gathered not many of them are living in very ideal family situations no i'm going to say probably like 99% of the children that we saw in that movie are not margaret ideal. i mean Ryan Quinn's mom lets him run off wherever. Yeah, uh, right. James, you know, his dad's a bum who just lays around Literally. all day. Um, his And his mom is always gone. I'm guessing she's working because there has to be some sort of income there. Mm. Um, and I think it's they never bring it up, but I, they're always talking about um, getting a new house. Um and then when I was looking up in the description for the plot of the movie, it doesn't even say that, like, they're getting ready to move they're, they're It says they're getting ready to be rehoused. So I don't know what Scotland is like in the 70s, but maybe it was like you had to apply for housing before you could actually buy anything or something. I don't know. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Ignorant with that stuff. It seemed like something whatever it was, it seemed like something that most of the families were more or less that kind of seemed like their their pipe dream. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that seemed like something they were all just kind of like hanging on. The only the only sliver of hope it seemed like that that was most of them were hanging on to was just yeah. the government and give, giving them some way out of their situation. Mm -hmm. And then with Kenny's family, I don't think we ever even meet them um, except for the mom, because Kenny does start to drown in the canal and she goes to James's dad and he goes and saves him and becomes like a hero for the town. Um, and then Margaret Ann's, and they never mentioned her dad, 
but her mom just comes home and doesn't even check on her or anything. Margaret Ann was the girl that James bonded with. Yes. Friends. Yeah, she loses. She's the one who loses her glasses in the canal. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, she goes through it pretty good in this movie, too. Yeah, um, I mean, like we like we had mentioned, you know, the gang like just will constantly like berate her and they th- they throw her glasses in the canal so she can't see like the entire movie. They are constantly harassing her physically and mentally. Um, she gets sexually assaulted several times in the movie. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. No, it's it's and honestly like I don't know. How I'll, go, you feel. I'll go out and say it. Sexual harassment. Not cool. Yeah, no. Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. I don't know how you feel about seeing like what do you think about seeing children in like compromising uncomfortable situations like that? It's like, very the, uncomfortable the, for me. The way Lynn Ramsey does it, she she does it. I feel like as respectfully as you can in yeah. that situation. And like she never the children are in. She shoots them in very candid ways. And but they're never like sexualized. It's never no, it's blown up. It's just it's kind of tough seeing a 14 year old girl be assaulted like that. by. A, it's a very tough. Voice. Like I'm like constantly like during those scenes, I just like was like trying to tear my eyes away from the screen. Yeah, it was just, like I felt like it was just I mean, like, I know it's wrong, but it just felt so wrong to be like experiencing something like that. To be to to kind of does it feel wrong in the way that like maybe you shouldn't be like seeing that it's yeah. not something that should be observed. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. But see, the way I think about it is like, I don't know. It's one thing if like a guy maybe was doing it, but it with a filmmaker like Lynn Ramsey and with what she's done with her movies, I feel like there had there has to be a reason why she's showing us what she's showing. You yeah. know what I mean? And like I said, she does it as respectfully as one can in in those scenarios. And there's, nothing's ever like really explicit. Yeah, but. no, there's not. Like there are moments like where we like see the kids undressed, but I feel like that's even done in a very respectful, like very candid way. Um, that's the word to keep going back to. Yeah, it's candid. Because I feel like honestly, like I feel like there's so many other people that could have made this movie and they would have made it like in a sexualized sort of glorifying manner. It would have been a much bigger thing than it was. And I think that's what that's part of what uh, it's the childlike innocence. Yeah, exactly. We're sort of seeing it through. Right. I mean, for the kids, there's nothing to sexualize. Like there's nothing like they're just they're just friends and they find solace with each other. And they're honestly like the only source of comfort that they have in that environment is James and, and Margaret Ann. Cause literally everything else around them is pretty shit, but they find, like I said, comfort with each other. So to see each other in such intimate ways, they don't even think of it like that. They're there's just only, like, there's only two times really, or two scenarios where James is ever like really happy. And it's like, whenever he's like, just like sort of like alone with his mom and his sisters when his dad isn't around. Yeah. And when he's with either, what was her name? Catherine? I, th- I feel like I already forgot. But the the 14 year old girl and Margaret like Kenny. Margaret Ann. That's what I'm. Catherine. Where did I get Hello. Catherine from? <laughs> I thought you were talking about somebody completely different when you said that. No, I was like, Mar- Margaret and um, 
and Kenny really and like I mean I guess just with his friends. Yeah, and those two are really the only people. I don't know if he's like really friends with Kenny. I f- I kind of feel like he just more or less like maybe pities him. Maybe he just doesn't have the same like cruel cruelty that the other boys yeah. have. So he doesn't feel the need to fucking bully him or make like a thing out of he's it. He's not he's not friends with him, but he also just he also doesn't just be like, "Hey, fuck off." Yeah, he won't go out of his way to be an asshole to Kenny. So no, and, and I also one of the uh, one of the better moments of the movie, and and I, I feel like all of us while, while we were watching it, we were all kind of got in our own way. Was whenever it's shortly after the gang of boys they're done sexually assaulting Margaret, and they're trying to get James in on it, and we 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 see James go off screen, and like all the boys are kind of like joking around and. And, and and hooping and hollering yeah and you know i think all of us in the room were like oh god no james please and then <laughs> and then the camera cuts to them and like the james they're literally james is just like literally laying on top of her but oh, like yeah. i don't know how to describe it like he he was just just laying there like he wasn't doing anything he was literally just laying on top of her and i think he even went to sleep that way and she was just kind of embracing him while he was asleep and i think I, that it was, was very a whole, that, that, that was very wholesome. It was. It was because like, I all think, these these other kids, they're just looking at it like oh, she can't even defend herself. Let's just do whatever we want to her. And James is like, I, I'm I really want to just comfort her right now. Yeah, and in, 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 I also be a think it's about him finding comfort. Yeah, also it, that's that's a big part of it as well. And I I really like how I I feel like I said I feel like all of our expectations were kind of subverted with that that moment because we all just kind of assumed the worst and i mean how could we not you know everything yeah. that we'd seen up to that point was pretty bleak so but it i really appreciated that moment that was definitely a moment like you said that was wholesome it was like yes there is some semblance of good in this this town yep but then james just sort of loses it all and plunges himself into the deep canal of glasgow and I'm trying to remember what exactly makes him decide to do that. That's when that's after I, uh, yeah, Kenny so, tells him that he saw him, right? Yeah, I think because up until that point, I think he was like, OK, I think I can get through this in my life if just nobody knows what I did. Yeah. And then Kenny's like, hey, I saw you leave Ryan Quinn. I saw you. Like he, I think he tells him you killed Ryan Quinn, yeah, which like yeah. he didn't. But also he did manslaughter's a thing you know for sure um and so once he finds that out he's just like yeah this is it for me fuck it i'm gonna go i'm gonna go do his do a big swim (laughs) i'm fucking dead you really uh you should really consider doing some voice work for some some irish actor because i feel (laughs) like you really you do that too well my friend i was rolling every time you did that (laughs) (laughs) but all right so um what else is there to talk about it's not really a long movie no it's like an hour and a half i feel like we discussed uh, the meat and potatoes of the movie (laughs) maybe a little bit of sides a little bit of sides i can't really i do want to briefly mention okay what's his name uh James's da, 
Have you ever seen uh, Sons of Anarchy? I have not, but I he's in that, right? He's a he's a actually a pretty big actor, uh Tommy Flanagan. Yes, Tommy Flanagan, yeah. Yeah. He He's um, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I think. He is um I think he's one very of the Very briefly. Uh, who is he? He's he's he, Tolk. Yeah, I don't movie. know his name. He's one of the Ravagers. He's yeah. with Yondu's crew and he was recently on the latest season of Westworld. Um, I haven't been watching the new season. It's all right. It's okay. But I want to shout him out because I really liked him on Sons of Anarchy. And I didn't really know. I don't really know much, much about him outside of really TV shows. Yeah. Um, like, like I said, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He's also in Gladiator, Sin okay. City, Braveheart, Face oh, Off. Sin City. Alien vs. Predator, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, um, The Game by David Fincher, oh, nice. which I haven't seen. That's one of the. That's one of the. It's pretty good. It's one of Fincher's films that I have not seen. Would recommend. And a few things that I haven't heard of: um, Smoke and Aces, Papillon, When a Stranger Calls. You haven't heard of uh, any of those? No. I feel like I've seen. I've I seen think Smoke I might have heard of Smoke and Aces. I remember. I remember watching commercials of it when it came. I don't out. know anything about it. Yeah, I just knew it was one of those movies I couldn't watch because I was younger. So and I guess he's like probably one of the bigger names in this movie. Um, yeah, I wonder what his career was like because I'm gonna say he is also Scottish. Or yeah, he was born. He was born in Glasgow. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so I wonder what his career was like when this movie uh was conceived when it was shot i wonder if this was one of his first roles or was he already prominent in scotland i don't know but let me see i just wanted to give my boy a shout out that scar that's on his face i was talking to somebody about it the other day oh i think i was talking to azul about it um, yeah, i think you were talking about it last night before the movie because i remember hearing something about like a scar and i was like scar huh <laughs> yeah no um he's got I, I think that's like his like trademark appearance for him that's really the way i recognize him anyway he yeah he he's um i all in i don't know when it happened but all i saw is that he suffered that um after he was mugged one day yes yeah i was gonna say he was attacked so that's like an actual scar that he has yeah. on his face okay so his first big role was in the 1995 braveheart movie he was nice. morrison in that and then he goes on to do some TV shows. He was in an episode of Bad Boys. Um, wow. And then he was he actually played Scarface in The Saint. The Saint. A movie with Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue. Directed by Philip Noyce. Noyce. But he plays... I mean, I don't know if it's actually like another interpretation of... Or whatever, but his character's name is Scarface. Very interesting. And then okay. he goes on to do Face Off after, and then um, he so th- in the same year, nineteen ninety seven, he's in the Saint, Face Off, and the Game. Um, Boy's getting and in then, that work. And then two years later, he's in this. So that that must have been a big budget because I guess he's like sort of a recognizable name at that point. I would say um, so. Gladiator then was the next year. And then some TV shows, um, Dead Dogs Lie in 2001, 
he was actually the star of, but I've never heard of that. It sounded familiar, but then he was a henchman in Charlie's Angels. <laughs> then Alien vs. Predator. Next year, he was in Sin City. And it's just sort of been going up since then. He was in Smoke and Aces, did some voice acting work for some games, mainly, I think, the uh, Alien vs. Predator game. Then there was a Smoke and Aces sequel, I guess, that he was in. Um, He did his tenure on Law & Order SVU. As he did an episode of that. Then he did Sons of Anarchy, Peaky Blinders. Oh, that's a good show. Oh, like he was actually blinders. he was in an episode of Gotham, apparently. Um he was in a corn music video. <laughs> nice, okay. Rotting in vain. I feel like most actors they I feel it's gotta be like mandatory or something where most actors do at least one episode on a Law and Order show. Oh yeah. That's how um oh man, there's so many uh celebrities you look who up, like that's like where they sort of like made it. If you look at most of your favorite actors or actors that you admire, I guarantee you, you will find at least one appearance on a Law and Order show. Yeah, there was a big name person who was. I remember I I watched their episode and it was like it was really good, but I can't remember who it is now. And there are some people that like you don't expect. Like I I can't think of any, but like I said, most actors that think of an actor that you admire. That person has more than likely done at least one episode on a on a Law and Order show, and some of them shows be pretty good. Not gonna lie, I do uh, I do like some Law and Order SVU. Oh, Bradley Cooper. Okay, interesting. I remember I saw his episode. It was pretty good. Robin Williams was in an episode. Um, wow. Alec Baldwin did his time. I feel like Brie Larson was on. Amanda one. Seyfried did. John Stamos did an episode. Um, Zoe Saldana, Hilary Duff. Wow. The list goes on and on. Henry Winkler even did an episode. Shout out, Henry. In season three, James Vanderbeek. Yeah, if you look if you look it up, there's so many people. That's crazy. Okay. Well, yeah, that was the last thing that I wanted to mention anyway, was shout out Tommy Flanagan. Sounds yeah. like he's one of the most consistently working actors in the industry today. So shout out to him. So uh, I guess we get into final opinions now because I don't really have anything else either. So I gave this a four out of five. I think it's really good. Um, I just like we were talking about. I really love like just the childlike, innocent eyes that we're watching this through. And um, just like we've been saying over and over how candid and just real it sort of feels. Um, I think Lynn Ramsey just does that really well. And we're going to see that through the next two weeks facts yeah no i also gave it a four out of five i feel like one of the bigger things that's preventing it from going higher than that is the fact that the entire situation could have been avoided like literally (laughs) (laughs) i mean um, if that if that parent just kind of is like no i said you cannot play and goes and like (laughs) grabs that kid by the ear this this movie does not happen so there are and if (laughs) <laughs> and if james just helps that kid up it's not even like they were like enemies or anything that's not no. the vibe i got anyway like he literally no, was friends. just like damn that's crazy and then <laughs> left his ass like this whole thing well i mean he he ran off before he knew that he was drowning like he pushed him in and then just ran off 
Oh, so he looked back and he was like, drown. oh, shit. I see. Nonetheless, though, I still feel like he could have been there to help. Yeah. He could have fucking just gone in and grabbed him and been like, shit, you good fam? Uh, yeah, that's all it takes. It's just like, hey, my bad. Um, <laughs> that, that makes me think of that part where I, I think he like hits his sister or something and she starts crying. And he's like, hey, yo, chill. Like, big girls don't cry. Relax. Damn. Oh, my Before God. I've been there with my in. siblings. It's fucking same, dude. Can I tell you how many times? <laughs> just like, you hit them just a little bit too hard and they start crying. He's like, no, no, no. It's fine. It's all right. That didn't hurt. You're fine. I swear. it's You're just imagining it. You're good. <laughs> uh, like, but, that wasn't me. You just, you moved. So, like, <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> the, the the mental gymnastics that go into that is pretty yeah. funny that you, uh, that uh, we as children would go through that. So that kind of felt relatable. But, yeah. um, but I think you and I vibe with pretty much the same things, just how candid it was and how it was how unique it was to see it from a child's perspective and also just to see how living in dire situations and how living in poverty is something that i've always felt affects everybody it doesn't just affect the people that are living within poverty but it like i said it affects everybody and people that are living in those situations there's not a lot of hope to really hang on to and in a way that kind of feels like its own its own sickness and that's something that i feel like can spread and it only breeds it it only can lead to 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 bad things boys not really having anywhere to go or anywhere or any positive way to express how they're feeling and like the description says children just looking for love in the wrong ways i really love how it was approached i really love that it was lynn ramsey that was able to translate that on screen yeah. Like I said, I don't know if I care as much <clears throat> if it's a, if it's a man that's doing that. And I don't know if a man does it as well. So, yeah, I really I man, I'm comfortable giving this a, a four out of five. I think that's pretty solid. Definitely. Yeah. Well, not a whole lot of people felt the same, but uh, I guess it's not too surprising. Um, I can see where people would have issue with this movie. Um, but let's just go ahead and get into some bad reviews. This first one comes from Letterboxd user Chris. It is a half-star review. And Chris says, terminally overrated art film by numbers name by... What? This, this grammar is terrible. <laughs> terminally overrated art film by numbers. Name one thing. One thing that this film does that's new or different or is not derivative. It's nicely derivative, yes, but it's also achingly boring as if there's a big stew of British art film cliches that's been overcooked and forced down our throats. I have no idea how this has a good reputation at all. Rubbish. You're rubbish, sir. 100%. You do be kind of rubbish, though. Let me see. Okay, so I already have two lined up. Let me go ahead and read this first one. This one's a two-star review by natalie ring she says i hate to i hate to say it but i couldn't get through the film the scottish accents were extremely thick which they were they were very thick yes Um, and even though i'm not opposed to subtitles the ones provided were ass they wouldn't pop up half the time and when they did they were incorrect i feel like the subtitles were pretty good i was gonna say i feel like the subtitles popped up when they needed to for us and they were there pretty much always and they weren't there's a 
I feel like it was on purpose that they weren't a word for word translation of what they were exactly, saying. Exactly, because especially like in the places where there's like a lot of thicker accents, like in Scotland and Ireland, they have a lot of phrases and just slang in general that wouldn't Americans make sense and other audiences just would not understand at all. Right. And so the that's why it's not quote unquote correct because they're trying to make sure that you actually understand what is being said. Right. They don't want the reference to go over your head. Like they want you to be on the same page of what's going on. Like if you were to get a word for word translation, you'd probably be more confused about it. Exactly. But to finish the review, she says, however, some, some of the visuals are beautiful and I appreciate the simplicity. I'd love to give it another go sometime when I find a streaming service with better closed captions, because I'm sure it's a wonderful film. So she seems pretty hung up about the subtitles. Well, she should shut up. Damn. Um, then Letterboxd user Toynton says, is another two star, might have been better as a short rather than a feature. The lack of narrative was included by choice, but ultimately it felt too incoherent. And I don't agree. Really? Um, I can kind of see it being a short. I, I I get the short rather than a feature thing, but the rest of it, like the just being incoherent, I don't totally I would get say with. Incoherent. I can definitely like see a, it being There's a point down, to everything though. that happens. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can definitely see this, though, being like a 25, maybe 30 minute short film. But I mean, that's not to say the movie's bad and X and has excess. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's see. Dave Vonderhaar. Star and a half. He says, I watched this several months ago and just completely forgot to log it. So so little an impact did it have on me. I've loved Ramsey's other films, but this one never rose above the indie misery porn cliche you'd expect from that terrible cover art. Underage nudity? Check. Death of a child? Ironic use of pop songs? Check. Absurd escapist fantasy non-sequitur scene? Sequitur scene? Check. People running through fields of grain at the magic hour? And on and on and on. I'm stunned this was made by the same woman who would go on to make a Morvern Kalar. So maybe Morvern Kalar is good. Yeah, maybe. I, I, what, from what little I've heard, I've heard it's good, but I have not heard a lot. Let me look it up real quick just before we do. I know what it's about. It's, it sounds interesting, but have not gotten around to watch it. I feel like that one's more accessible than this one, though. Yeah, that one. This one is actually available on Canopy too. There you go. I yeah. think I'll watch it in between this episode and next. It's got good reviews. It's actually technically this one. Is, it's reviewed worse than Ratcatcher is. Ratcatcher has an average review of I think four, and that has a three point seven. But you also have to think, Morvern. Which one has been seen more? Let's see. Ratcatcher has thirteen thousand. Morvern Collar has. 13,000. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. But anyways, moving on to a positive review of the film. I'm going to do this one from Letterboxd user Lucy. Uh, Lucy, this is actual like Letterboxd Lucy, one of the most famous reviewers on the film. It's actually a 3.5 review, but 
It says, Lynn Ramsey could bonk me on the head with a film camera and say, I look away a feminine in it. And I would reply, my apologies. Please feel free to bonk me again if that helps you in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Here for it. All right. Shaban. Shaban says, four-star review. She says, I don't think Lynn Ramsey could make a bad movie if she tried. I sort of agree with that. I have to see Marvin just to confirm. But once I do, I will confirm. <laughs> All right. So that ends this episode. So or no, no, no. That that ends that segment of the episode. My apologies. We're going to be talking about movies that we've watched in between episodes. I'll go ahead and start. I only watched two other films. They were both Scorsese rewatches for me. I rewatched The Irishman. Fuck yeah. And um, I have to say, now that I've seen it a good three, four times, um, it is my favorite Scorsese film. It's definitely one that, of my favorite. I say, that, I say that very comfortably. It's my number one now. Um, just with how much I like sort of, I guess just re like noticed again throughout, throughout the film. Like I talked to you about this. I love how literally everything in the movie Frank is just as passive to everything happening as we are like yeah. we're we're along for the ride just like he is like we are like the he's the perfect audience surrogate even though he's the protagonist of the film like everything is happening around him and to him but he's not doing anything about it like he's just sort of going with the flow and I just really love that it's a very interesting way to tell that kind of story and to show us who frank sheeran is yeah it's so it's so amazing man and really the last 30 to 45 minutes of that movie like i, I i've seen where a lot of people talk about the movie and like upon like watching it the first time they struggle to like they start to wonder like okay well what's this movie about after like two and a half hours and then yeah. like once that last leg that final act kicks in it it really just adds on like it's like a ton of bricks to be quite honest with you but I've, like, i feel like also like that's that's frank's life you know like the whole the whole throughout frank's life he's like what is this all about and at the end he sort of realizes that um everything could have been avoided he could have had a good life yeah 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 no dude that that final shot man just watching him god i'll never forget watching it uh we pulled up to was it river oaks we watched it yeah out. landmark river oaks theater yeah we watched it um i think the first day the first day i was out first in theaters day it came out yeah and yeah bruh that was I think was, was that the no that wasn't the first time we watched a movie together i no. think the first time we watched a movie together did was we see i think yeah i think it was it was ant-man <laughs> and the wasp the, the second ant-man and the wasp yeah we went to uh cinemark yeah we did and uh, we watched it, and I think that was the first movie that we actually watched together. And then, I think it was just The Irishman. I don't think we watched anything wow, else. Wow, really? I feel like I don't think we went to more. the theater. Well, when the pandemic's over, we got to change that. Absolutely. Um, and then the second movie that I watched, the second uh, Scorsese rewatch that I did was Silence, which is an absolutely amazing film. It's a great movie. Yes. I love Scorsese when he takes on religion. Yeah. I mean, we've already talked about it with his with The Last Temptation of Christ, but I, I really love his approach to 
to religion. I want to see, he's got a quote unquote religious trilogy where it's the last temptation of Christ, silence and Kundun. 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 Okay. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. That one, that's, that's supposedly the, there's there's a lot of Scorsese's that I haven't seen yet. Like I haven't even seen raging bull yet. Oh wow. I've seen that one. It's, it's amazing. Like you've, when you think you've seen like all of like, his classics or whatever, there's still like a good like five or six that you could watch. Yeah. Like for me, like I still need to watch uh, The Age of Innocence. That one's got Daniel Day-Lewis in it, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. And After Hours is another one I need to watch. He's, st- he's got he's got a bunch that that are uh, most of his films, I feel like, are worth watching. And there's still some yeah, that definitely. I have as well. Even if you don't like them, I feel like they're worth it. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, for sure. All right. So what have you been watching the last week? All right, so I think I've seen maybe like two or three movies. Let me just okay. verify that real quick. Yes, so I have seen two. One was a documentary. The other was an actual movie. Um, but the documentary you're that saying I watched, the documentaries aren't actual movies. Okay, is that film. what you're saying? Is that your official uh, stance? I've seen, oh, you're saying they're not films? Oh my god! How dare I? So the film that I watched that happened to be a documentary <laughs> was called Time, and oh, I've heard such good things about that. It's so gorgeous, man, and so heartbreaking. I don't know how anybody can watch it. And not think that at the very, very least, the very minimum that the prison system needs to be overhauled. And like the correctional system in in general just needs a complete like from the ground up reform, if not an Absolutely. entire abolishment and just try and put something else there. Because it is an absolute disgrace what the actual I think what gets lost in the bureaucracy of it is the actual human toll that that actual people are going through. And if you're unfamiliar with time, it's about, uh, it's about this woman, her and her family. She's just, she's, she did a three year stretch in prison and her husband is doing a, I believe he's sentenced to 60 years, but in the movie he only does 21. And, uh, cause they had robbed a bank when they were younger and the movie is just about her struggle of trying to like fight for his case and keep it, keep the judges and everybody trying to get updates on it and just how like frustrating it is to keep running into brick walls and how people just seem to literally not fucking care that there are actual people and actual families that have parents and loved ones that are just stowed away in prison. And it's real. It was extremely frustrating. But I think the number one thing to take away from it is it not to, and not to sound corny, but the number one thing I think that you can take from it is just how powerful and real the emotion of love is and how even through all this, this horse shit that we as humans are just capable of coming up with, with how horrible our prison system is, it's still our love is still stronger than that. Like, no matter what shitty obstacle we manage to build in front of us, it can still outlast even just the worst circumstances. And it was it was extremely beautiful. I will not lie. I did cry. It kind of makes me emotional to think about it. But it's it's really moving. I really think everybody should watch it. So all right. That's my two cents on that one. 
And then um, that was well said. Thank you. And then I watched, uh, and then I watched the Kristen Stewart monster movie Underwater. Okay. Um, that one was fun. I, I'm sure my TV had a lot to do with this, but there were a lot of sequences where like I could not tell what the fuck was going on. Um, no, that's 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 honestly something that I've heard ever since it came out in theaters. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I I legit like the underwater sequences and the monsters. Like it was really hard to figure out what they looked like i think that was a very i can see why the filmmakers made that decision um but i feel like it was a bit misguided i think so too like i get wanting to add like mystery and stuff to it but it seemed like they didn't really know how to toe the line between showing the audience enough and keeping keeping them in the dark enough like yeah it seemed like they wanted to show us what these monsters looked like but they didn't do a very good job of it and and it was just hard to get a gauge on like how uh, like how big they were. Um, sometimes it looked like they were like human sized, and then there were some shots where they were like fucking like twice their size and throwing them around. I was like, whoa, shit. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was just really hard to see stuff in the underwater sequences. But I mean, for for the most part, it's not. It's definitely not the worst monster movie I've ever seen. Uh, it and it can be pretty fun. It. It is predictable, so you know, don't really expect to see anything new when you watch it. Yeah. But um I think it's a good one to put on for, for family night, for movie night, if y'all y'all are into that. So All right. yeah, I watched it on HBO Max. Go check it out. Well, that brings an end to our episode this week. Um, so next week, like I mentioned, we're gonna be talking about Len Ramsey's 2011 film, so a 12 year twelve year gap. I think maybe like a um, 10 year gap between Morvan Caller and this. Yeah, um, I think Morvan was 2000. But we need to talk about Kevin. Right at the turn starring of the Starring Ezra Miller, um, Tilda Swinton, John C. Riley. Uh, this was, I remember I watched this maybe 2014. I, I think I was in high school. I loved this movie when it came out and I haven't seen it since. I'm oh, very wow. excited to watch it again. Um, I remember loving it when I watched it, uh, but it's been a while. Um, and you guys can watch it on Amazon Prime, the Criterion Channel, Hulu, or Canopy. So no excuses. None. Canopy is literally free. You just have to have a library subscription, which are free anyway. Local library. Absolutely, yeah, especially in a free. time where the libraries like really need it. You can Facts. access pretty much everything digitally now. So fuck you, you if you don't. Even- you could even get a library. You could even get a library card and like access all their books and stuff like digitally. Yeah. Like you were just saying. I don't know about how many of our listeners are in Houston, but I know a few. I know that like most of the Houston libraries have their entire catalogs digitalized. So. Yeah. So. Like I know. said, no fucking excuses. Also, it's a good movie. It do be a, By good a great movie, filmmaker. Though. Indubitably. So if you guys have any comments, questions, and concerns, you can reach us on social media at Other Film Guys. And don't forget to go on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Even if you don't like our show, give us a five-star review. Tell us how we can make it better for you. And, you know, by giving it a five-star, you help us. You help other people find us. So even if you don't like the show, maybe somebody else will. Um, And Justin, how can the people get with you on social media? People can get with me at Rocketman3. Just replace that O with a zero. 
and you can take a piss in my empty toilet bowl at living mediocre <laughs> and you guys can uh go drown yourselves in a canal but not actually wear a mask go yes. out safely stay warm because it's starting to get cold everywhere i woke For up sure. to 30 degree weather this morning it was wonderful black lives matter from now and forever go Peace. with me